Hello and welcome to this week's My News Wrap, news from the world of SAP, Microsoft and the world in between. We are basically in the, let's say, second real work week um, of, of January of the new year and the gates of news have opened. So I have quite some stuff today to, to show you. Let's start with the area of SAP. So um, first of all, um, a blog post or a video tutorial series about DevOps with the SAP Business Technology Platform that was uh, collected by the SAP HANA Academy, namely by Philip Mucklestone and, and his um, folks around using DevOps on the uh, Business Technology Platform, making use of the services that are available within the Business Technology Platform, but also integrating um, something like Slack, for example, to get um, notifications, making use of the alert notification service. So um, quite a cool, quite um, deep dive um, video series around the topic of DevOps with the SAP technology, business technology platform. Then let's switch to Kima. There is also one blog post by a colleague of mine, Gaurav Avi. Um, who highlights how to use the SAP Cloud SDK on Kima in order to connect to external systems, making use of the um, so-called destination service, and then authenticating via client-cert authentication. Now, I've referenced within the, the show notes the blog post of Gaurav, but um, you have to go to the, I think the, the most valuable stuff is within the working sample available in the SAP sample repository on GitHub which shows you all the, the bits and pieces and how they work together. I think quite standard scenario and quite useful to have some templates around that um, in order to see how things work out, making use of yeah, Cloud SDK and basic services of the SAP Business Technology Platform. Then um, there is one new episode on the Coffee Corner radio podcast that was announced quite some time ago. Um, but now it's available since this week on um, the uh, episode 57 around open source in the SAP ecosystem. So open source currently big topic, of course, especially due to Log4J, I guess. There is a lot of discussion around licensing. Um, but this one um, more shows a broader view on the open source, focusing on the SAP ecosystem. And there are lots of guests in there. So the usual community suspects like Lars Wam, Volker Pusek, Morgan Whitrock. And also Sebastian Wolf, who is um, part of the open source um, office at SAP. So if you're interested in interested in the topic of open source at uh, at the SAP ecosystem, then this is definitely an episode for you. With that, let's switch to the Microsoft part of the house. So first of all, there was <clears throat> a small announcement around the new extension bundles that are available. And I want to highlight one thing there. This new release of the extension bundles does not only have upgrades, but there is now also an extension for WebPubSub. So you can now also use WebPubSub bindings within your Azure functions. That's, I think, really cool. Then um, I have quite some blog posts by Marcel L. Um, I had a blog post of him, I think, in the last or in the, the session before. Uh, I would highly recommend really to follow him on DevTO because he is pushing out a lot of great content around Azure Functions and around DevOps with on Azure. 
I'm also using uh, Terraform. I have picked out um, three blog posts of him around Azure Functions. Um, all very interesting topics, all very important topics. For example, um, first one, protecting secrets in Azure Functions using Key Vault. Very interesting topic. The, the blog post guides you through how to set things up. What I really like within every blog post is the setup is done via ASAT CLI. So it's not just clicking around or having some screenshots from the portal, but really setting it up as you would do it. And then uh, showing how to bring things together and how to implement things. Now that will become really interesting when the um, automatic key rotation is also in place, which as far as I have seen on Twitter, makes a bit of problems with Azure Functions at the moment but hopefully um, that, that will be sorted out. Then um, another blog post by Marcel around email notifications with um, Azure Functions, making use of Twilio's SandGrid, also a, a classical scenario from my perspective. Again, great walk through this topic. So if you, if you have some scenario like that, these are the blog posts that really will help you. And last but not least, three blog posts by one person. Um, in one episode, that's not too often. Um, powering on and off of virtual machines on Azure, making use of Azure Functions, of course, then with the, the PowerShell flavor. Again, a great scenario showcasing how you can use these serverless functionalities in order to do DevOps, which makes perfect sense. Then let's switch to durable functions. Um, there is one really cool offering by, by Massimo Bonani, um, who published a, an ebook around Azure Durable Functions. And this ebook is completely free. So you can download that. You do not even have to, to key in your, your contact data or something like that. Just download it. Um, it covers topics around Azure Durable Functions and also Azure Durable Entities. So it's really um, quite comprehensive. And yeah, if you're starting your journey with Azure Durable Functions, I would highly recommend to take a look at this book and start with it. Then um, an announcement by, by Konstantin Lepeshenkov, founder, creator of the Azure Durable Functions Monitor, which is a really super useful tool, um, which was recently migrated to the official Microsoft GitHub repository. And he now improved also the documentation, which, well, yeah, fair point to improve it to, from my perspective. I have referenced the announcement tweet and also the, the uh, GitHub repository in the show notes, uh, namely the, the wiki, where you really get now um, guided through the, um, the tool and all the features that it has. So now the entry barrier is really low for that topic. Then let's continue and let's switch a bit towards um, Azure Static Web Apps and Functions. There is a video by Mark Dücker, founder of the Azure Functions uh, University, showcasing his, well, onboarding uh, um, task that he had, implementing uh, an, an app. He did an Agile Flash app, so it's a collaboration tooling, um, making use of Azure Functions, of course, um, Azure Static Web Apps, and they're using Vue as a, as a framework and also using Appli in order to, to glue things together. There is um, the YouTube video that I've referenced within the show notes that you can take a look at where he guides you through that um, Agile Flush thingy in five minutes. And there is also a blog post that 
backs uh, those things up and gives you more insights on um, what Mark did there in this uh, little showcase. Then, um, one last thing, one announcement from Azure Static Web Apps. There is a public preview for a new functionality called Enterprise Grid Edge. That's kind of an addition to the functionality that's already there within Azure Static Web Apps with respect to um, uh, having uh, Azure Front Door functionality, having um, a more, more CDN functionality, um, <clears throat> having some enhanced protection against uh, uh, distributed denial of service attacks. So this is kind of an add-on to the great functionality that's already there within Azure Static Web Apps. If you are interested in that, I highly recommend to go to the um, additional information that is linked within the um, release note because you really have to sort things out. So I think it's, it's a nice addition, but you really have to, to wrap your head around what's the addition and if you really need that addition um, in order to, to optimize your reliability of your website, if that's really your case or if this is something that's not needed by you because it comes at an extra price, of course. Then um, switching to the world of containers and Kubernetes, um, let's make the curve not super steep. So starting with the serverless edition, the, the Azure container apps, there is um, a new edition of the Azure podcast, episode 407, um, about container apps. It's available on Apple Podcasts. There is also a video podcast that's referenced within the link that I have shared in the show notes and some additional resources that you can gather there all around Azure Container Apps, how they work, what are typically use cases. If you want to dive deeper into the topic, there is also a um, YouTube playlist that I would recommend, which... Um, is all around Azure Container Apps by Gerd Becker with three videos that gives you a very good introduction into Azure Container Apps, building microservices, deploying them, scaling them, and how to work with the revision feature of Azure Container Apps, um, which is a very nice thing and I think quite useful and allows you to well handle multiple revisions of the same app within your uh, deployment. Now, with that um, more serverless container thingy, let's switch to the hardcore um, Kubernetes area, um, namely to a functionality that um, well will replace Azure Active Directory pod identity. So if you have been using AKS, there was a functionality called Azure AD pod identity, which um, should enable your, your pods to uh, assess resources within Azure in a secure manner, namely mediated by the Azure Active Directory. This AD pod identity is, to the best of my knowledge, in beta, and it will never get out of beta because it will be replaced by the um, AD workload identity, where I have referenced the GitHub repository within the show notes, which will uh, serve the same goal. So it should enable you to access resources in a secure manner making use of Azure Active Directory and um, making use of service accounts that are specifically annotated in order to hook your things together. Um, the GitHub preview has um, the, the basic information and links to further information around that topic. So if you're using AKS, um, I think that's really 
super uh, interesting to see how to handle those things. Then, um, yeah, GitHub has started to work again, at least from the news perspective. So this week I, I got tons of news from, from the GitHub side. I curated a bit. So um, first of all, uh, NPM topic. And that was announced, I think, uh, at the end of last year that security improvements are on their way for NPM, especially around two-factor authentication. And this is now a new release note that I've referenced that these improvements are going on on around two-factor authentication, around managing two-factor authentication, especially for organizations and um, yeah, how things will evolve. So if you are uh, using uh, NPM, not only consuming, but but providing packages. And if you are using NPM as an organization, take a look at the uh, release note and the, the referenced information in there, because there is a lot of stuff that you can now do around um, security. And this well, will go on. Then also code spaces got a bit of improvement there, um, especially when you are an organization. So you can now uh, create organization policies for code spaces in order to restrict the machine types per repository. So you can say for repository A, I only allow uh, two core and four core machines. And for another repository, I allow four core and 16 core machines. Um, and that's um, now doable via the um, organization policies, which makes perfect sense. And this is just the first step. So there will be further improvements in order to allow you to organize those uh, machine types better, more fine granular with your code spaces. Then um, GitHub Actions got, a, got an update with respect to um, the jobs running on Windows latest. So if you um, have, have tagged your, your build job that to run on Windows latest, you will now be running on Windows Server 2022. This means that um, the software stack has changed a bit. And the release note that I've referenced within the show notes um, shows you what has changed and also has a reference to the list of changed software. Then also in the area of GitHub Actions, something that was a gap, I would say. Um, with GitHub Actions, you could kind of uh, trick a bit and um, using Actions, um, well, satisfy the required approval branch protection. So with GitHub Actions, you could simply kind of, yeah, um, trigger your action and then this, this um, required approval got, got done and you could merge those stuff without having a real approval on your repository or on your branch. And now GitHub um, brought in a new functionality that um, you can, uh, it's enabled by default, so you have to disable it, yeah. Um, <clears throat> So that GitHub Actions no longer count as a required approval. So that's, uh, I think, quite helpful. Then um, a deprecation announcement around um, GitHub. Uh, Git.io, which is a link shortener that was available on GitHub, is no longer accepting new URLs. So you can no longer create new URLs. Existing URLs that you have shortened with Git.io are, um, are still available, but be aware that this service will be deprecated in the future. So move to other shorteners um, if you have been using that one. Then two blog posts that are more uh, food for the brain around the GitHub area. First of all, a blog post around how GitHub manages to ship GitHub Mobile every week. 
And if you're using GitHub Mobile, it's not just um, bug fixing and, and, and performance improvements, but it's really pushing uh, new functionality in a quite decent manner. So if you want to take a look at how the engineering team does that, um, I think they, they exemplify via the iOS pipeline, yeah. Um, then take a look at this blog post. And um, then another blog post around the functionality of uh, discussions on GitHub. This blog post highlights how um, five open source communities use this um, GitHub discussion features in order to, to facilitate their community. Yeah, so then let's move on to the, well, further announcements around Microsoft. There is one um, blog post that I would like to highlight around protecting APIs with the Azure API management, namely using OAuth 2.0 client credential flow. Um, I think a very standard uh, functionality, standard use case, but um, yeah, as everything within API management, not not super easy to achieve if you're not an expert. So um, highly appreciated that there is a, a blog post that guides you really through all the steps, what you have to do. Um, and you can then build upon that one. That's really cool. And then if you're using Blazor, there is another website that I would like to highlight to you. Um, it's called builtonblazor.net, uh, which is a curated overview or, or a showcase of sites that are built on Blazor. Uh, you can add your site. There is, I think, no, no real um, uh, flow uh, behind. So you can really uh, see what's all possible and who is already using Blazor WebAssembly or, or Blazor per se for their um, websites and what, what's possible there. So it's it, it started not too long ago, So, but there is already quite some amount of pages that, that showcase what's possible with Blazor. So if you're in the .NET ecosystem and you like that, that notion of back and front and using the same functionality, the same programming language, then that's really interesting to see what's possible there. Yeah, with that, let's switch to the world in between SAP and Microsoft. What's that there um, going on? First of all, of course, as every week, the SAP on Azure podcast, the video podcast, this time around or focusing around the deployment of SAP systems, making use of Azure DevOps, walking you through how to deploy that, um, how to set up your DevOps, including all the nice and neat things like uh, a HANA database and so on. So really, um, I think in general, interesting, um, but of course, again, more, more infrastructure things. Then um, finally, Arthur Sharkovsky made it possible. Um, he did it and all his blog posts around extracting SAP data to Azure are now available on the Microsoft Tech community. So those blog posts that have been banned by the SAP community, and I'm not getting tired to say that that was one of the one big mistake from my perspective, are now available on the Microsoft Tech community. So you can all read them now there. So all the information is up and running again. I have referenced the LinkedIn announcement of Bardosh, um, where he referenced all the, the different parts of his blog post series. Then, um, Another blog post by Martin Pankratz, this time on the SAP community. Um, 
continuing his series around the BTP private link service on, on SAP BTP. And this time, this, this blog post is really something that I especially like because um, it highlights the case where you can use BTP private link in order to connect to, let's say, platform as a service offerings with respect to, to database services available on Azure that you would like to use on the business technology platform, like a MySQL, like a PostgreSQL. And uh, this, this uh, scenario guides you through that, um, what you, you have to do in order to make things work as usual, decent description. There is also GitHub repository backing that. So that's really interesting if you want to combine those things together, um, because I think there is a lot of use cases that would like to do that. Now, let's move on to uh, learning and um, events. There are two blog posts that are, well, more, more food for your brain. Um, first one is by Container Solutions around um, the, the, the What the Fuck series, so WTF. Um, and this time WTF is an open source license anyway. So um, again, picking up the discussion that's going on around open source and how companies might abuse licenses that, that uh, yeah, foster this abuse in the open source community, this time... Um, picking up Elasticsearch and their journey with AWS. Okay, interesting read, picking up exactly the same topics that um, Golo Roden pointed out in the video that I've referenced last year, uh, last edition this year. Then um, another blog post, different topic um, by Chris Reddington, but I think um, being two years in, in a global pandemic and Having a lot of folks in the technology area doing home office. <clears throat> uh, it's a blog post about mental health and depression. So Chris Reddington obviously um, had some issues there. And he now kind of came back. And this blog post highlights kind of what happened over the course of, I think it was the, the last one and a half years that well put him down and and what were his challenges and i think that's really an important topic to to read and super thankful for chris to um publish something like that openly because i think that's that's also a hurdle to overcome um not only for oneself but also for for co-workers that might suffer under that that condition so I'm really highly appreciated to to read that, and it's a super extensive blog post, really um, guiding you through the topic and how Chris um, got through those things. Then, um, one event announcement that I would like to highlight around the Software Architektur TV, which is a, a regular um, stream around software architecture topics mainly in German, um, with some guests in English, and the next edition, which will take place on Wednesday, the 19th, so next week. Um, there is an edition where um, Eberhard Wolf will have as a guest um, Sam Newman, and they will discuss uh, the topic monolith to microservices, which will really be definitely an interesting topic. So um, that's really an event that's, that's worth to watch. Anyway, if you cannot make it, it will be available on YouTube afterwards. 
And then, um, last thing for today, um, developer productivity. One thing that I would like to highlight, because I didn't know that, um, is about Winget. So the, the tool that you can use on Windows, um, which kind of works like, like Chocolate, but is provided by um, Windows or yeah, also distributed by Windows Store. Um, which allows you to install and update uh, components and that also allows you to do kind of a, of a batch update or a update all functionality of your software on your uh, computer and in difference to chocolate it uh, kind of fetches also manually installed packages so i didn't know that uh, that's of course cool because if you then want to to update a lot of things on your computer i don't think that it will catch everything but um this is really a functionality that you should take a look at if you think it's necessary to get an update again on your on your system tools. Now, with that, I'm through with today's session. Um, I hope I had some news for you. There was quite some news that, that piled up in the last week. So um, enjoy walking through it. Enjoy watching the videos. And yeah, with that, I see you next week. Have a nice Saturday, have a great Sunday, and a successful next week. Until then, bye.